Good evening, football fans. Welcome to Bruise and Banter FC, where we've got not one, but two match days to tackle. All of match day 15's shenanigans in the English Premier League, as well as the exciting prospects and predictions in match day 16. I'm Redbeard, and joining me is the one and only Targo. That's right. Grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and join us as we break down the goals, saves, maybe, maybe a questionable VAR call or two. Absolutely. And if that's not enough, we're spicing things up by doing our Newcastle and Spurs combined 11. Who's worth every penny, and who's left us scratching our heads? We're about to spill the tea. So it doesn't matter if you're a diehard supporter or just here for the banter. An all-new episode starts right now. What's up, man? Match day 15. It was a good one. Good one. Dude, Some midweek twist. action. Quiz and turns and some, uh, you know, bold predictions gone right and some gone very wrong. <laughs> I would say you got yours pretty right, man. Pretty right, I would say. Well, buddy, um, I know I've seen you wincing a couple times before we started recording. Why? Why are you wincing? Uh, playing this morning, man. Pulled the groin. First Ugh. time doing that. Do not recommend. It does not feel good. No, and that's one of those that lasts forever. So what are yep. you what are you washing down your pain with? I am point? washing it down with some Icicle Brewing Company Enchantments Hazy IPA. It says brewed with plentiful amounts of lotus, mosaic, citra, and bergamot hops. Expect this hazy IPA to be bursting with notes and aromas of bright orange, citrus zest, and tropical fruits. Ooh. I usually like icicles, so we'll see how I like this one. That is an easy drinker. Very delicious. There you go. There you go. Would recommend good eight. Good eight out of ten. Nice. Well, I'm going to stick with uh, my theme of December with my uh, winter ales. Today, I have Ruben's Brews. Adam's Festive Ale. Got some nice... Adam's Festive Ale, huh? Okay. It's got a little elf on the shelf, some stockings. It's a winter warmer ale with orange zest and chocolate. Chocolate? Sounds like you've maybe had this one before. Might have. I'll be honest with you. You know those old school, um, like, dark chocolate oranges you can buy? Oh yeah, then the that's what aluminum like. or the little hundred yeah. percent. That's exactly what this tastes like. And it looks like you got but, another beer there. Yeah, <laughs> so I drank this before we started. I just wanted to uh, show the difference between a actual pint and an American pint. They're the exact same size as far as around, but height wise, quite a difference. And this is Put no the other lie. one in front of it, so we can see. <laughs> Oh, that is a difference. Yeah. And then to show you that they're the same. There you go. Weak American pint. Weak. Weak sauce. But speaking of weak sauce, uh, let's get into match day 15, shall we? 
<laughs> you mean with the weak sauce team, Burnley taking on Wolves? <laughs> yeah. Burnley are pretty weak sauce, man. Wolves, they won this one 1-0. One it was a pretty cagey first half. Wolves kind of be gifted the lead as Burnley would be the architects of their own downfall. Yeah. It was bad. O'Shea man. would receive the ball from Trafford. Next ball was too strong for Sander Burge. Couldn't keep hold to it. Hold of it. Pressure from Mario Lamina, man. I will say, love that pressure from him that caused this error. And then, yeah, top of the box for Pablo Sarabia to pounce on. Plays it over to Cunha, who would find that Korean guy, man. He Chan Wei, and he just casually puts it into the back of the net. I love his composure in front of goal for this one. He Dude, like took he was a second. so patient, so patient, it, just so like patient. looks up, yeah. looks down, looks up looks down, slots it. And I'll be honest with you, man. He is such a good finisher. I don't think he's going to be at Wolves. Maybe even past January. I'd be surprised. But at least in the summer, I think someone will come in and buy him that needs a striker. Maybe. uh, He's playing fantastic, man. He's having the season of his life so far. He is. And it's fantastic. But I, I mean, Burnley... I don't even know. I'm running out of anything to say for them that is not, you know, absolutely terrible because they enjoyed majority of possession in this match, could not create literally anything, and then literally gave the game to Wolves on a silver. Which they don't need any help. Wolves have been doing pretty well this season. They're sitting up in 13th place, man. 18 points, a couple wins in their last five games, currently. They were coming off a big win against Sheffield and came back down to earth real yep. quick. Back to old, I mean, old habits die hard, I would say. Well, let's get to the big one that was on the fifth. That was Luton hosting Arsenal. I don't this know if I'd call this the big game, one. Man. Yeah, this I don't know if I'd call this the game. big one, but it was definitely the most exciting out of all the matches. Oh, I'm getting too excited and moving. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. This was a game. I I didn't expect it to go quite like this. I mean, credit to Luton, man. They yeah. put up a fight. And I'll be Gilmore's honest, Road. they the fight they put in this match, I think they deserve something from it. But let's Oh, they 100% the deserved a point. They deserved Let's go through the match game. first before we get into that. All right. Well, Arsenal, they would go up first through Gabby Martinelli. Fantastic quick through ball to Saka who cuts it in for Gabby to finish in the 20th. He barely just got enough on it. Just barely got enough on it. Luton, though, they would equalize through a different Gabby, Gabby Osho, who uh, would head in a corner for Luton just five minutes later. Yeah, terrible marking on that one, too. He was wide open. Yeah, yeah, he was. And then another Gabby would score. The third one. Let's count them. <laughs> Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> this one here. of the religious I'm... variety. <laughs> yeah. With a lovely, lovely header. Beautiful cross from that right back, Benny Blanco. Dude, I mean, what, fantastic a chip, ball to play what a chipped in. cross that was, too. Oh, it was. I love Holy the ball cow. from Saka, too, to play in Ben White, man. Yeah, it was it, the whole play sequence of play. It was absolutely breathtaking. 
Halftime comes around. Arsenal are up 2-1. Luton, man, they came out flying in that second half. Another corner kick, and they get a another goal, another header. A little bit of a howler, shall we say, from uh, David Raya. <sighs> little bit. I think you're being nice. A little bit. He, a little bit he of delays a... his run out to go punch the ball, and then literally does like it's like he's not expecting any defender or Luton player to get in front of him for this, and just goes straight out to go punch it instead of attacking the ball. And it's probably the easiest header that Adebayo, man. Adebayo's ever scored. So what gets me in this one is Adebayo jumps up for a header on this, and he jumps higher. It's having Raya jumps with his arms up. It's having Raya to not jump hardly at all. And out of bio, man, he was soaring. He looked like Superman flying through the air to get to that ball. He did, but David Raya just, he was so slow to go to the ball. That should have been routine punch for him. It was an awful mistake. We've seen him struggle with them crosses, though, haven't we? Yep. And if I'm any team playing Arsenal for the rest of the season, I'm just literally dinking balls in left and right, trying to challenge him. So that would tie the game up at 2-2. And then Russ Russ Barkley, man, would make it 3-2 in the 57th with a fantastic run, man. Beating two Arsenal players. One of them was Odegaard, sits him down. I can't remember who the other one was, but he... Gives a little pass to Andros Townsend. I'm pretty sure it was Ben White as well. Plays a little pass to Andros Townsend. Townsend gives it back, and he kind of does a little shimmy to Ben White. And he kicks the ball right at David Raya, who, again, misses it. This isn't a miss, man. Again, this is sheer laziness. It goes right underneath the middle of him. Like, he could have dropped down to a knee and saved it. Instead, he goes to drop down onto his side, and the ball just goes right underneath him. So if I'm being completely honest, I was watching the replays. He could have not moved, yeah. and it would have hit his legs. Mm-hmm. But instead, he tries to drop down, so he moves his feet out of the way, and it just squeezes right underneath him. It's awful. Oh, it's completely awful. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Terrible. Arsenal, they would equalize throw through uh, Waka Waka. Yeah, yeah. 60 million down the drain. Kai Havertz scores again. <laughs> Lovely laugh in, from Gabriel Jesus. Four matches, man. It's on a roll. Yeah, so, so it was like a long ball up to Gabby Jesus, who did fantastic to hold off oh. the defender. Oh. Lays it off for Havertz. He just has to tap her in. Tap, tap her in. And then this is where it got interesting. So it's tied 3 3. That uh, Havertz goal it was a little bit later in the. Uh, 60th, so they had a half hour to get their fourth goal arsenal, and they did through their 100 million man, Declan Rice, man. Yeah, comes I mean, up big, 97 minutes, minute. six minutes of added time. They get a corner kick right before the six minutes was up, or a free kick, sorry. And then, yeah, 25 seconds later, Odegaard gets the ball, plays in a wonderful pass completely weighted to Declan Rice. And I love the movement of Declan Rice on his header too. He goes off sides, pulls the defenders yeah. back, comes back on sides right before Odegaard plays the ball. And yeah, absolutely perfect header. It was amazing. And how, I mean, 
I know your groin wasn't pulled when this game happened. No, it wasn't. How much were you running around yelling for this one? Was it as much? Like over under about as much as Declan Rice did when he scored this one. <laughs> I was definitely under because he was hyped. I was probably honestly yelling more when Ross Barkley's goal went in and anger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was in the car, so I couldn't exactly run around, but I was definitely screaming, and I had to pull over because I was no hands on the wheel. So, What a game, though. 97th minute winner. But let's get to the details of this game, though. There was a couple penalty shouts for Arsenal. There was a potential foul on Bukayo Saka, potential foul on Gabriel, an arm pull. Um, VAR, they looked at an incident, incident between between Kivior and I can't remember the Luton player, but Kivior kind of went in for a shot, and then he kind of stepped onto the Luton player. I'm not sure if they were looking at a foul on Kivior, possible red card on Kivior. I don't, I don't. Honestly, I couldn't tell what they were looking at. I, I don't. For that one, I don't know. But let let's talk about the other two. I mean, by what we've seen this season, I would say both the Saka incident. And the Gabrielle incident should have been penalty kicks. I don't understand also why Mikel Arteta was given a yellow at the end of the match. Because he was like an out, a yard outside of his technical area. Yet no Manchester City players received a yellow card for essentially like mobbing the ref in their last match. But anyways, let's go to the fouls. Gabrielle, let's start with that one. The guy is literally like... I mean, you've seen Tarzan, right? Of course. How I've he seen hangs it. off like branches and vines. Yeah. The Luton defender is literally hanging onto his arm like it's Tarzan on a vine and pulls him backwards. I well, don't know. He kind of pulls him forwards. Yeah. So Gabrielle ro- can't go backwards yeah. to get towards the ball. And he literally yeah. is like staring at the ref like, what? what is going on right now? And so I, I agree with you on that one. I, for me, that one is a foul as well a penalty kick because i mean he could have potentially got to that ball he he tried to move towards it and couldn't because his arm was pulled in the opposite direction so i i agree i think that one should have been a foul the Saka one though i don't think was a foul i agree with you but the reason why i'm saying it should be a penalty is consistency right in var in refereeing and there is a penalty given for almost the exact same thing later on in this episode. So just remember that, listener. Sokka bundled over after he plays the ball. So actually, I do. I what 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 game is it? We'll get I remember into it. it. We'll get into it when we get there, and we can revisit this episode. So, so I disagree incident. with you on both of these. I disagree that Sokka's was not a foul, but the other one you mentioned, I do point out. Like I make some points that yes, that okay. one was a foul. Well, we'll, but I guess we'll, we'll have to leave the we'll, listeners waiting, the viewers. Oh boy, you got to listen for the rest of the episode. Sucks for you. Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I agree. The the Mikel Arteta yellow card, man. That that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If you can't now, celebrate a last minute winner, and now I he's mean, come on, and now he's suspended for the Aston Villa game. Like they're. They're trying to hypocrite. kill the passion from the game. Like, let the yeah. coaches have some passion. At least, like, I get like, if he's running around, you know, way outside into the field. But he went down the touchline. He didn't go very far. No, he, he probably was out of his technical area. But I mean, he, you, you saw in the replays 
some of his coaching staff pulled him back because they saw he probably wasn't going to run to the yeah. to that corner flag to celebrate, well, but he didn't. Where is there a yellow card offense? That is my question. Like, it's completely hypocritical to Mikel Arteta. I mean, I see Jurgen Klopp running onto the field after they score, and he gets nothing. No, he does. And the same with Man City, man. I know you mentioned Man City a couple minutes ago, but they Man City was fine. Yes, as a team. No player was... Like, no, and that's where they did mess up, because Holland and Kovacic definitely touched the referee. They both should have got yellows. Yeah, and I agree. And I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not saying, I don't know what happened. Mikel Arteta might have said something. I'm just saying it's hypocritical, and it's not consistent. And that's all I've been calling for with the referees all season, is consistency. If you're going to call it one way, call it that way for every single match. Don't be inconsistent. And it was inconsistent. So, but that result, man, it keeps Arsenal top of the table. Luton, they currently find themselves in the relegation zone now in that uh, 18th place. But man, I got to give credit to Luton. They played so hard. I thought they were going to get a point from it. I honestly did. They deserved it after that, even though a lot of it was Arsenal shooting themselves in the foot. Luton were, I mean, they were stifling Arsenal. They could not get anything. I wouldn't say it was Arsenal shooting themselves in the foot. I would say it was David Raya shooting Arsenal in the foot. (laughs) Yeah, I I will agree with that. Uh, But I do want to say, man, how good does Ross Barkley look right now? This is like prime Ross Barkley for Everton he's looking like. Holy cow. I I think this was a perfect move for him, honestly, going to Luton. Because he went from Chelsea, and then where was he at before Luton? Nice? Yeah. So he was in France, probably, and I, I remember seeing some stuff about him when he went there. The coach didn't even know what position he played when he showed up, so the, you know <laughs> this wasn't a signing the coach wanted. And I'm, I'm glad he came back to England, you know, playing for a team that just came up. He gives them that Premier League experience player for, for Luton, which is fantastic, him and Andros Townsend. And that's why I think, honestly, they're the difference makers between them and Sheffield and Burnley. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and I just wanted to say, like, I mean, I know Gareth Southgate absolutely loved when Ross Barkley was playing for Everton and called him up to the England national team. I'm saying he's given another shout for that. Looks like he has an agent. I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't think he's I'm quite there a yet. Shout. I'm not saying he's going to make the team. I mean, you look at their midfield, I don't know where he fits in. But he's giving a shout. He's playing fantastic. I just wanted to say that. He deserves all the credit in the world right now. All right, well, tell me about this last place team. Yeah, yeah, Sheffield United. They're bad, man. They played Liverpool. And you called it, man. Sheffield United would fire their coach. Is it, is it Higginbottom or Hithenbottom? Higginbottom, yeah. Yeah, they would fire him on Monday. So, or Tuesday morning, one of the two. It was after so you right after it. we recorded our right last after episode. we recorded it before we aired it. Yeah, and they hired Chris Chris Wilder uh, right afterwards, pretty much within yep, the former coach. Yeah. So Liverpool would go ahead in the forty third minute after Virgil Van Dyke would find himself wide open on a Trent Alexander Arnold corner to slot at home. Did you see Trent, though, when he took this corner, man? His Talk about cracking the defense. Talk about putting a hole into Sheffield. (laughs) 
I am so happy. Sheffield with her pants down. I mean, I'm so happy. I paused right there, man. Did you write that down? Did I just set you up perfectly? Holy crap, man! That is hilarious. So yeah, if you I watch did not it, man, see that. Trent's ass is hanging out. Like his <laughs> full on ass crack is hanging out as he takes this corner. <laughs> he like even pulls his shirt up a little bit. You could you could tighten in the throw screws. a pencil down that thing. <laughs> it was hilarious. Straight on. Plumber. And then Matt Dyke has that fantastic finish, but. It was. It was a fantastic first time finish, but man, there was nobody within a couple of yards of him. No. No, there was not. And then the uh Liverpool would uh put the match away in extra time of the second half as Darwin Nunez would win the ball back, play it over the top of the defense to Sabutsloy, who would smash it into the back of the net after a wonderful first touch. Oh, dude, that first touch set himself up. Yeah, he looked cool, calm, collected, like he was not missing. No, not at all. So I got two questions with this. All right. Thoughts on the Nunez tackle? Because I know there's a lot of controversy around it. VAR I thought it was a fantastic tackle. I did too. I don't know why there was controversy around it. I mean, there's a lot of Sheffield United fans up in arms about it. I mean, I understand. He gets the ball, gets a little piece of the player, but I mean, he major- majority gets the ball. I mean, I understand the controversy as far as where he was sliding from. He was behind the player, yeah. So. But he got all ball. So, great tackle for him. If he gets the and player. And it's not one of those where he completely went through the player to yeah. get to the ball. If he gets like, the he player got the ball first, and got it's a, a piece of the player. Yeah. But he got the ball. That was, that was a fantastic tackle, cool. I thought. Yeah. Fantastic ball over the top, too. And second question. Yes, it was. How good has Sabotsloy been been this season? Holy crap. I think he's repaid Liverpool tenfold for his transfer fee. Honestly, I think so far he'd been my midseason team of the season, if I'm being honest, in that midfield. There was a lot of shouts for that position as well. So He's I, been I guess, fantastic for Liverpool, man. I guess we'll have to see, you know, at the turn of the year when we do our midseason team of the season well, we if should be he, doing it here in a couple of weeks after they play will. those that 18th game yep we will i think that's i guess that's coming up quick right because they yeah, they still have four match weeks before the end of the year man it's crazy well looks like it'll be before the end of the year then. <laughs> should be right before boxing day what a great christmas hey hey all right, does Liverpool pose a greater threat to the title than Manchester City this season? No. Okay. Even with the form of <laughs> Do Manchester City. you want an explanation? Right I mean, don't I, get me I, wrong, don't, Liverpool- I don't necessarily want one. I mean, I, you can give me one when we get to the Manchester City Aston Villa game. Well, I mean, I'll say this Liverpool are title contenders. Are they a greater threat than treble winning Manchester City? No. I mean, Man City, they're. Six points off. How many points were they off, though, last year? And they still came back to win it when they went 20-odd games, whatever it was, unbeaten. Yeah, I mean, it it was, what was it, eight at the end of the the turn of the year, I believe? Uh, eight points but, behind Arsenal. But it was just them this season. I mean, we got a plethora of teams trying to be in that title contention talk, so... Oh, don't get me wrong. I definitely think whoever wins this year won't have as many points as who 
as previous years, just because you're right, the competition is a lot more fierce right now with Villa, Liverpool, Spurs at the beginning, somehow Manchester United are right there as well. So Newcastle, I mean, there's there's lots of good teams. Yeah. But I, I, I still think City are, I mean, honestly, they're probably still favorites to win the title. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll get into it when we get into the City game. But, I mean, even Pep has already said we're going to win the title this year. So, Well, we'll talk about City more when we get to yeah. them. Let's move well, on then, to this next one. Let's go to a game where a team played like Manchester City and another one played like Sheffield United. We had Fulham <laughs> against Nottingham Forest and Fulham won. Nottingham five- Sheffield. <laughs> yeah. Sheffield Forest. I don't know. Uh, 5-0. Fulham beat Forest, and this one, man, I don't know what's game? I don't <laughs> know what's going on with Nottingham Forest, man. But Fulham would take the lead in the 30th minute as Alexander Awobi would put Fulham into the lead after a wonderful passage of play, fantastic ball from Willian, and a great counterattack. Oh, dude, that counterattack! It was top of their 18 to the back of the net, and just. Few passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Kearney had a fantastic touch, man, to get away from the opposition. It was beauty. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Mwah. The way he took that ball just to get around the defender, he plays it out to William. William to Wobie, and bam, there yeah, you are. And I will say, Tom Kearney had a fantastic match in this one as well. I love him as a midfielder. Like whenever he doesn't start, I'm like, damn, where's Kearney at? Right. Like I've been watching him for since last year. It's when I picked up on, I was like, Ooh, he's a good little player at Tom Kearney. Yeah, he's fantastic. And then speaking of players playing fantastic, uh, Raul Jimenez would find his form in this match as he would get his first in the 34th minute. Yeah, it's good to see Raul Jimenez. He scores a couple in this one. Always kind of rooting for the guy, man. That comeback story, him fracturing his skull, and then Has you know, always the same sense, yeah. He's being Mexican, pretty... always rooting for the those Mexican players over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got a greater chance than these guys of making it to the World Cup. So, why still <laughs> support them? I, I, I don't know. Anyways, Raúl Jiménez would get his second after he would outmuscle the forest defense, cut it across the keeper, and coolly backheel it into the back of the net in the 54th minute. Cheeky, man. Cheeky. It was so not cool. You, it was like, so cool, but not someone cool. you expect to do that. No. It was as cool as the backside of the pillow. Guys, literally, <laughs> yeah. like, keeper's coming out, takes it across him, backheels, is already celebrating before the ball even goes in the net. It's fantastic. But I just, it's so good to see him scoring. Again. It is. What'd you think? Did you think there was a little foul in there? Like watching the replays, he definitely has an extended he, arm on he that does. defender. And, you know. Defender I just needs say, to be stronger or I would a different say, day it gets called. I would say a different day it gets called. I mean, we saw it like, because he is the person with the ball. He gets the advantage, I would say, because I thought the Milner challenge last weekend was similar, but Milner did not have the ball. He was not in, well, see, on Milner offense. didn't also extend an arm. He did. Milner went body. He bodied him, man. He, he just it. ran into Mudrick. He extended an arm across he his chest. He ran straight and into Mudrick. Quit arguing that and, PK, man. I said, <laughs> and. I said, and. He had an arm across Jimenez his chest and has ran more, into him. 
Jimenez is more like a stiff arm, man. He just puts his arm out and says no. <laughs> Where are you going? Nowhere. Nowhere. Get out of here. <laughs> Wobie would also get his second after a cross would find him wide open on the back post slotted in in the 73rd minute. And then Fulham would find their fifth as this goal pretty much sums up the performance by Nottingham Forest. Sloppy passing at the back would see the ball essentially hit Pereira in the ass. And Fulham would be (laughs) three-on-one. And it was coolly finished by Tom Kearney to cap off a wonderful performance from him in the 86th minute. You said it, man. Forrest, sloppy. That was this game for them. Yep. One to forget, and I know... uh, Why am I blanking on their coach's name right now? Steve Cooper. Thank you. He apologized to the fans after the match and in all of his interviews. So he said that one's on him. He doesn't know why the fans applauded them after the match, but that's what you need from your fans, right? That's four losses in a a row for Forrest, though. You know, we talked about Steve Cooper the last episode. He might be that next manager in the hot seat. There's a couple, man, and he's definitely among them. And I know watching the match and the post-game coverage, they were definitely bringing up that point. Is he going to be the next one to go? And is it time for Forrest to move on from him? I think it's too soon, isn't it? I do, too. I mean, and it seemed like last year the board really stuck with him, and it paid off for him last year because they were in the thick of it till February, March. Yeah. And that relegation fight, and they went on a good run. So, I, I, you know, he's got a lot of injuries. I mean, when you see Origi starting, man, it doesn't inspire much hope. You know something's wrong, yeah. So, maybe give him a little bit of leeway. But, again, they're not in the relegation. But if they get, honestly, much closer, I would start considering letting him go. Well, I mean, they're edging closer and closer. They're in 16th now. Everton's creeping up there as well. If Luton picks up some results. They have a couple winnable games coming up. They got Wolves, winnable. Tottenham, that could be difficult. But then they got Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, they're... Castle, Forest. Their form is... Their away form seems to be night and day difference from their home form right now. Oh, 100%, man. They do play so much better at home. They do play a injured and reeling Tottenham side at home. So could they get a point there? It's possible, but if they keep playing the way they're playing, there's no chance in hell. Speaking of teams bouncing back and teams playing like absolute garbage, we had Crystal Palace against Bournemouth. Bournemouth won this one 2-0. Crystal Palace, man, they're reeling right now. They have not won. I guess they've won one in their last five. Three losses. But the Cherries would find the lead in 25th minute after Sinistera would flick on a corner at the near post for Senesi to finish. Senesi, the defender, yeah. Yeah. And then they get the second one right at the end, header by Kiefer Moore, beautiful ball from Solanke. And Iriola ball, Iriola ball is looking pretty good right now for Bournemouth. Took a few games to get it going. Yeah. Quite a bit. But now but they're, I mean, they've won three in their last four. Points. They're level yeah. on points with Palace now. Yeah. And they, I mean, at the way they're playing, especially away from home, 
if I'm a Bournemouth fan, man, I'm over the moon right now. I mean, Selhurst Park is not an easy place to go, let alone oh, not shut, at all. Out, shut out Crystal Palace, who uh, were also booed at halftime. Mm, says a lot. Yeah, I mean, they've won, they got one win in the last eight matches, and that one win was against Burnley. So it says a lot for you. Roy Hodgson after the match was essentially saying it's it's their own fault, but like they need the fans behind him. They don't need him to boo him at halftime because I mean they expect a lot of quality because they were spoiled last season. Do you believe that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> These are not my words. These are Roy Hodgson's words. Those are so. stupid words from Roy Hodgson. I'd be pissed. <laughs> Is we he going senile last year? It's the same damn squad. <laughs> Is he going senile? I mean, they have I mean, had they got... injuries to their best two players this season. They have, but I mean, Michael Lise was still in there. I mean, who's their newest player? Jefferson Lerma, who played for Bournemouth. And played he like he probably had only. For <laughs> <laughs> he did. All right. I think he hit the post or something. He, he had one he little highlight. But nah, man, I'd be pissed. Like, play better football. That's what I would say as a fan. Yeah. I Maybe I, I'm a snob. I, agree, I don't know. I agree with their fans, man. I do. I don't know. When I, see, when I see shit football, it makes me not want to applaud it. Especially if you're paying good money for it at a place that should be difficult to play for most teams. All right. Speaking of places that's difficult to play for most teams, let's go to the Amex where we had Brighton, Brighton against Brentford. And Brighton get a massive win over Brentford, winning 2-1. to one. Brentford would take the lead after Yanel would be brought down in the box after beating Van Hecke. Van Hecke, yep. What do you think of this one? Soft one. Yeah. Kind of like he sticks an arm out across him. And then he just goes down. Like, don't get me wrong. If he wanted to stay up and fight through that arm, he could have. Yeah. But it was just an arm. He didn't grab him. You know, watching it live first time, I thought, it was, oh, yeah, that's a definite foul. But then they showed the angle from the front where he doesn't grab him. He, You know, it's just an arm. Yeah. Across the shoulder. Yeah. And he goes down yeah. pretty well, softly. Brian Bomo would step up and put away the penalty kick. Either way. Pascal Gross like? would level the match with a wonderful knuckling strike into the bottom corner from outside of the box in the 31st minute. Dude, does he get all of that? Holy cow. That thing doesn't go more than what a foot, like maybe 18 inches off the ground. And that thing is knuckling the whole way into that bottom. Beautiful finish. Whoo. Brian Bomo would come off injured in the 35th minute after a nasty injury to his ankle. Yeah, he kind of rolls it. Yeah, he's tracking back on defense, gets like part of the attacker's ankle, and then lands on the side of his. Dude, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. One of those. I watched it. I watched it once, and I did not watch it again. That was it's not that, that bad. Me. I mean, we've all done it. You know, yeah, your ankle it, just rolls I'm a little over. Squeamish when it comes to those things. I'll be honest with you because I've done it enough times myself. I just remember the pain of that, and man. Does that hurt? Probably pulled some ligaments in his ankle. He might be out for a couple of weeks. What does that mean for Brentford, though? They lose Brian and Bomo. Yeah, I mean, it's, they don't get Ivan Tony back until the middle of January. 
I think this is a huge blow for them, especially with the form they're in right now. Not in the best. They got two wins out of their last five, but yeah, they're sitting bottom half of the table, 11th place. Yeah. This result would have been a lot for them. They would have gone above Chelsea. They would have been. They didn't. Hold on, fun fact. Yeah. If Everton weren't deducted those 10 points, they would be above Chelsea. Stop stealing my talking points. We haven't got to that game yet. (laughs) Just saying. There's a couple of talking points around those things. We'll get to a little bit later. Sorry, sorry. Not jumping the gun. Brentford would have a ball cleared off the line in the 51st minute, and then Brighton would take the lead in the 52nd minute after a wonderful ball across by Pascal Gross would find Hinshelwood, and he would rise above the Brentford defense and head the ball in at the far post. And he was the one who cleared it off the line. So he goes one minute, clearing a ball off the line. Coast to coast. Goes back to the other end, scores a goal. Beautiful ball from Pascal Gross. Man of the match for me was Gross. I mean, we were talking, you know, what was that? A couple weeks ago about, you know, who is the best player this season on each team? I Pascal Gross. I think we, it was our player last season that we picked for them. He might be close to the top this season. Him, Atoma. I really like uh, Soli Mars. Billy Gilmore also. I love too Billy Gilmore. But I mean, Lewis Dunk. Dunk. Yeah, Lewis Dunk, man. Yeah, or is it Dan Byrne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always get a mix up, man. Big lanky soul. Right, some bitches. <laughs> And both can play a ball, which makes both it even can more play confusing. Ball. Yeah. All right. Some controversy at the end of the match, as Jan Visa would have essentially he slapped Billy Gilmore. So what happened was Billy Gilmore had the ball, and Jan Visa wanted after a foul, and he wanted to take the free kick, get the I'm ball quickly. Bitch. Yeah. So he goes to take the ball from Gilmore, and Gilmore pulls it away from him, and then he just straight up. Slaps him across the chin. Both players will get a yellow card after this. So I missed this one, man. I must have been up doing something. I I did not see this. So, I mean, you can't slap someone in the face. That's obviously a no-no. That should be a red card. Violent conduct. Just striking anyone on the face. But as as we've seen this season, you can throw elbows to the side of a player's head. You can do whatever you want, man. And... Yeah, as long as you don't knock the player down, um, or at least as long as, make, it, as long as you don't see like ripples in the side of their face, apparently it's not a red card. I mean, I don't know. Did Gilmore go down clutching his face, playing that no. hole? No, he just yelled at the ref, saying he. Hit there you go. That's why. So, there you go. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, Billy Gilmore's former team, we had Manchester United against Chelsea. Oh, yes. In a match that, uh, well, pretty much we thought was going to be a snooze fest. It was not. I watched this game. Yes. This was a fun one. United would win two to one, but Enzo Fernandez would concede a penalty early in this one as he was judged to have brought down Anthony after he played the ball away. And this is the incident I was talking about that is very similar to the Bukayo. It is not similar at all. Not similar at all. No, it's not. What I will say before we get into it, again, great process by VAR. Stop the play. Sent the ref over to look at it. Ref, yeah. And he made the decision. Not VAR, 
he made the decision. Although sound bites later on might negate what I just said, but yeah, I don't see the difference between these two. Both were after the, the ball was played. Let me finish, and then you can explain to me why it's different. I'll tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, because Sokka was taken out. I mean, at the literally at the ankles. And no, he wasn't. For me, it, I mean, Enzo is a bad tackle by Enzo. It's a little bit sooner after the ball was played than the Sokka one. But it just looks like he steps on him, like on accident. All right. Go ahead. All right, so I'm going to disprove pretty much everything you just said. So everyone listening, just hope you didn't listen for the last 15 seconds. So here's what happened. The Sokka one, he plays the ball. The defender is standing there, and they collide into each other. There is no stepping on any foot. There is no stepping on any ankle. In this one, Enzo goes to get the ball from Anthony, and Anthony plays it and then steps on Enzo. There's a step. He steps on the top of his foot. There was no step on Sokka. Sokka plays the ball, and he collides into a defender. The defender didn't move towards him or the ball. He was standing still. I disagree with that point. The Luton player was standing. He went to step in front of him, and then he stops, and Sokka runs into him after he plays the ball. It's not like he lunged out or tried to get Sokka. He, Sokka ran into him. That's how I see it. He ran into him. The defender did not run into Sokka, whereas this one, Enzo is reaching and he steps onto Antony. So that's a huge difference. They're not the same at all, man. So, what I saw in the Arsenal game, and I'm trying not to be biased at all on this one, is that the Luton defender went to block the ball that Sokka played across and took him out at the legs. He did not. He did not try to block the ball across. He tried to block him from dribbling towards goal, and Sokka played the ball. But what do you guys think? Let, Let us, us know, know on our Instagram, <laughs> Facebook. Make sure you guys join our Facebook group at Banter FC. Get in on the Instagram. We're posting lots of videos. You can see Redbeard's crazy predictions that he got mostly right, if I'm being honest. And some people said, I know nothing about football. I'm just saying. This was the one game you probably got wrong. Was this Man United-Chelsea game? It, you said Chelsea this, would win. This one and the Newcastle one. Those were the big ones that I got wrong, but I got every, but you almost could, everything else right. I'm just saying. You did. You did a fantastic <laughs> job. I'll give you credit for that, man. But yeah, but we'll talk. Let's get back to this one. United, Anyways. man, they looked they looked fantastic for well, the first. We're not even half. done. With the, we're not even done with the penalty kick yet because Bruno steps up oh, and has right. it saved by Robert Sanchez. <laughs> I forgot about the actual penalty kick. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was not a great penalty from Bruno. But not at all. Great save by Robert Sanchez. I mean, I haven't seen him make a save like that all season, so good for him. McTominay, though. The, <laughs> Scottish, the Scottish Ronaldo. Ronaldo <laughs> would, uh, oh, we were close. Yeah. <laughs> we would were close. put United ahead after reacting first to uh, Maguire's block shot in the 19th minute. Puts it away nice and coolly. I mean... This guy's been clutched for United this season. He's, He's a box-to-box midfielder, man. They've been playing him as a defensive midfielder. Yeah, it's weird. Get him playing box-to-box, and apparently he's like Granite Jaka reborn. Anyways, anyways, Cole Palmer would level the match after Cooley passing his shot into the bottom corner. 
And man, what a sequence of play from him. He, what a talent Chelsea have on their hands. He is a fantastic player, but I do feel like, like honestly, besides the goal, could you tell Cole Palmer was on the field? I mean, a little bit, but then again, I mean, besides the blue shirts running around, could you tell that 90% of the Chelsea players were on the field? Their passes didn't even go to the blue shirts. Fair. So this, this, oh, dude, that, this game was so irritating for me in that aspect. Yeah. The sloppy passing was just, like, I feel like I was watching a high school game, honestly. Just sloppy pass after sloppy pass. A Nations League match. Yeah, something just not Premier League quality, <laughs> no. that's for sure. Fifth tier, maybe. But United would t- retake the lead through the Scottish Ronaldo. Uh, as he would grab his brace in the 69th minute after Garnacho would play a wonderful cross in for him to find at that far post. And honestly, it could have been any one of him, Hoyland, and I think it was Maguire at the far post. I'm not sure, but there was three players there and no Chelsea players. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, again, who was their best player this game? Tough to tell. They all look pretty bad. I will say for Man United, Garnacho looked good. Mm-hmm. I thought Anthony didn't look bad. I think Ten Hag made the right I, choice dropping I, Rashford. I will, I will admit it because you know I will give credit where credit is due. I think this is probably one of Anthony's best matches in a United shirt. He played very well. So I mean, I mean, United played well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, this match summed up both teams this season, didn't it? I mean, United has some great individual performances. I will say this is probably the best I've seen them play all season, although Chelsea probably made them look better than they actually were in this match. Mm, disagree. Man United against Galatasaray was the best I've seen them play this season. I meant in the Premier League, but okay, you are, you are correct. In the Premier League. On, you are correct on that one. That was a fantastic match. Um, and then Chelsea. They could not put the ball in the net. Their passing was inconsistent. Defensively, they gave up too many chances. and. They were disjointed defensively. I mean, DeSassi was all over the place. Chelsea wins, Chelsea loses. Then they sometimes, draw, then they sometimes maybe win, maybe, maybe good, lose. Sometimes maybe shit. Um, which explains why they're literally mid-table this season. Maybe that's why... Maybe it has to do with uh, buying unproven young talent? A lot Does of raw talent. With it? Almost no leadership in the team. Not a doesn't have a spine. Yeah, they missed Connor Gallagher. It looks like that's for sure. They did, and it's a shame because he's having a fantastic season for his team. He might he might be their best player. Who knows? I, I agree. It's hard to tell with that Chelsea team. It, it is. It is. And I, honestly, I give a shout to Raheem Sterling. He was not very effective in this match, as he hasn't been in any match he's played Manchester United, as he's played him. I think about twenty five times. And he hasn't I saw scored that. a single goal. 25 games against Manchester yeah. United has never scored a goal against him. Yeah. And he pretty That's much disappears. Wild. He pretty much disappears in every match. But against 25 United. times? It's a lot. It's Even a lot. playing for like Man City for all those years, and he's still never or, scored against or Manchester United. the great United. Liverpool sides he played in. It's I don't crazy. Think he's never part of a great Liverpool side, but. Sorry, great Liverpool attack. Maybe not a great side altogether, but I mean, you think of Sadio Mane, Raheem Sterling, and Luis Suarez. That's, that's a great front line. So. Was Sadio Mane there at the same time as Raheem Sterling? I believe it was one season, but you can look it up later. Let someone fact check him. Yeah, I, I, someone I gotta... fact check me. Anyways, 
Speaking of former Raheem Sterling sides, let's get into the big match, man. Aston Villa, Manchester City at Villa Park. Two different performances in this one. Probably the best I've ever seen Villa play, and maybe the worst I've ever seen Manchester City, as Villa would win this one 1-0, and your boy would get his pick right. You did. You did, man. I got to give you that shout-out. You picked Villa. And honestly, Villa outplayed City 100%. If Arsenal... They out-man-cityed Man Man City, is what Villa did. I mean... I mean, let's go with some just basic stats. Villa would be the first team to ever register 13 shots and a half against any Pep Guardiola side ever. That's wild. Ever. Uh, Douglas Louise would think he put them in front after heading in across from Luca Dina. Unfortunately, he was marginally outside. outside. Villa would battle in the second half. Honestly, they swarmed Manchester City. It was like they couldn't do anything. They had two shots on target, and it was in the first half, and it was both from the same sequence of play from early Holland and two fantastic saves from Emmy Martinez. Yeah, especially that second one, that header. I thought for sure that was going in. I, I did too. So I'm good. How up there. he came all the way across his goal to palm that. Like he was even reaching back. Yeah, he was reaching back to grab yeah. it out of the goal. When I was watching fantastic it live. Save. When I watched it live, I was like, there, ha- there has to be a call for goal line technology on this one. There has to be. Because that thing looks marginal. Great save by him. But, yeah. Villa would finally find the breakthrough in the 73rd minute as Leon Bailey, who was playing himself off the park in that match. We catch City on the break, and his shot would take a massive deflection off Ruben Diaz's foot and loop over Ederson. But I... Honestly, in this match, that was more than Villa deserved. Oh, 100%, man. I mean, Villa, they were like a pack of wolves. Every they time a City player the water, would get in yeah. there, they would just, two, three of them just swarming. And like I said, they out-cityed Man City, controlled the possession of the game, dominated the flow of it, especially that first half, man. Like you said, besides those two chances, I don't think Emmy Martinez touched the ball. That's how no, those dominating were only- Aston Villa were. Those were their only two shots, and their only two shots on target in the entire match, which is nuts to me. Absolutely nuts for this Aston Villa side to do that at Villa Park. And they play Arsenal at the weekend, which we'll get into later, without Mikel Arteta. On the sideline, yeah. Spoiler alert. Anyways, after a wonderful passage of play, Douglas Louise would clatter a curling effort off the post in the 84th minute. And even I thought that ball was going in. And he started celebrating before the ball even hit the post. What a shot that was. And it pretty much summed up his day. Inches away from this being an absolute blowout against Manchester City. I mean, Douglas Louise had a fantastic game. So did Bubakar Kamara, Bailey, John McGinn. Even Luca Digne, man, he was getting down that flank, pushing Kyle Walker back. Just that whole Villa squad looked good. I, for me... Konza, too. Konza was everywhere. For me, what I didn't like was Bernardo Silva's positioning for Man City. Especially in that first half, man. He was too far out on that wing, and he needs to be in the middle of the park where he can dictate 
what Man City do and their flow. And I think they're they're better when he is doing that versus being kind of stuck out on a wing. And I did notice in the second half he started to drift in more. But yeah, I, yeah hard to pick a positive. Ederson have some nice saves. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, it's Emery's first win ever against Pep. Villa Park was rocking. Like, I swear sometimes the camera was shaking. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. They were... <laughs> They were hyped there at Villa Park, man. Villa now jump into third. Two points ahead of City. Four points off of the top of the table. Again, they play in Arteta-less Arsenal on the weekend. 14 straight wins at home. And City haven't won away from Manchester since September. Where they beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. When are we going to talk about their lack of depth this season? Well, I mean, think about the players they lost. They, they really only lost three. Four for this match. Doku, well, for this Bruyne, match. Grealish, and Rodri. Well, I'm going to talk about overall. Because, I yeah. mean, if you want to talk about death and you want to talk about injuries. Sure. Let's talk about you do the there? three players that they lost, right? It's I mean, Cole Gunnar, Palmer. Cole, Cole Palmer and... Mares. Mares. So they brought else. Doku in. To kind of replace Mares, Palmer left. They brought in uh, Kovacic and Nunez, mm-hmm. I guess, for Gundovan and for the injured De Bruyne. Yeah, I did think it was interesting that neither Nunez or Kovacic started this game. I said he started Rico Lewis. Yeah, which is why I'm bringing up lack of depth right now because not even their two summer signings, two of the three, were on the field. Like, this is yeah, a perfect Doku was out injured. And then, of course, of Rodri, man. Rodri is the, the big miss, I think. Is, I he, mean, is he more important to the City team than De Bruyne is? I want to say no, but the stats show otherwise. They lose when he is not in that team. And they, I mean, they lost the Champions League final to Chelsea when he didn't start a game. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of uh, when Fernandinho didn't play for them before they signed Rodri. Same scenario. When they don't have that defensive midfielder who wins the ball and plays it upfield immediately, they struggle. Is that a Pep Guardiola problem? Is is it the way he plays relying too much on that defensive midfielder and then not having a solid backup for him? I mean, their backup is Calvin Phillips, who... Or apparently Rico Lewis, who is not a defensive mid. I mean, Rico Lewis wasn't even really playing defensive mid. It was more Kanji or John Stones going up into that midfield. Yeah, and I know at halftime, they kind of switched, right? First half, Stones they was did, playing more yes. in that role. But yeah, it, it's crazy to me that City now, I mean, they're, they've got one win in their last five. They've allowed, Bunch of draws in there, yeah. They've allowed nine goals. In four games, that's very much unlike City, especially for and honestly. I mean, your prediction at the beginning of the season, like who scores on this Manchester City defense? That's Apparently, what I was about to say. When you look at their de- defense, <laughs> you know, on paper, yeah. mean, John Stones, Kyle Walker, Akanji, Ruben Diaz, Gavardio. I mean, that's those are all class defenders, man. 
Yeah, but I mean, Vardial's been playing on that left side pretty much all season as a left back. You think they go in for a left back here in January? I think so. A real fullback? I think so, and I think they try to provide more cover for Rodri as well. I think Manchester City probably spend real big here in January. Especially knowing that at the beginning of next season is when their trial is going to be for their 115 charges for financial fair play. So they might as well sign him now. I saw that. It's not going to start. We won't know anything until the end of next year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I understand, right? Because it's they're accusing them. So you have to have concrete evidence to bring any charges against them. I get it. Yep. They're gathering all their another story for another day. But how do you feel? I know I mentioned it earlier. How do you feel about Pep claiming they'll win a fourth in a row? before this match even started. So honestly, when we've heard these pep comments, he usually doesn't say stuff like this. Yeah. Which is why I'll usually it say, Oh no, you know, we like our chances or, you know, say it whoever, Liverpool, time, Arsenal, blah, they're, blah. they're a tough team. They could win it. I think maybe he said it because his players might need to hear it. It's possible. It came out a little cocky to me. Like it did. I mean, Oh, it's a hundred percent. Uh, very full of himself comment to make but again this isn't like him he usually doesn't make these kinds of comments i feel like he's usually more gives credit to his opposition whereas not no we're going to win it or saying things like that but maybe it's what his players need to hear that's the only honestly explanation i could give it yeah it was was unusual to me but that's, I mean, again, like I said, it's because he doesn't usually say things like that. So it, it is unusual. Yeah, I mean, y- you see what they did last season, right? It's really the last 14 games that really matter, right? They're only six points off the lead. So I'm not going to say it's City in crisis mode right now. Because, I mean, no, they're, no, not, they're still up there. They're, they're, I think they, I heard a stat where they're only like one or two points from where they were at this point last season but they had like a six to eight point gap between them and the top at Arsenal. This season, it's only six points, which is only two matches. But I think what is the most telling is that Tottenham and United are only three points back. And we've been talking about how terrible Manchester United have been, but they're only three points back of Manchester City. This makes no sense. I did post a... You did Instagram reel about that. So again, maybe make sure you guys are following us on all the socials. Check out the red bubble. Get a mug like Redbeard's drinking. Get that bruising banter merch. And you know, maybe try a beer like I'm drinking it. The more I drink of it, the better it tastes. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean I, I picked this one. I was very happy about it. But I was surprised at how well Aston Villa played in this match. And how that, well they stifled them, which makes me scared as an Arsenal fan for an Arteta-less. play. Yeah, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Next up, we go to Goodison Park, as we had Everton against Newcastle. And we both thought, you know, Newcastle has this injured squad, kind of a makeshift squad. They've been playing well and squeaking out wins. We thought, okay, you know, Newcastle will win this one. But they got blow out, blown right. out in this one, 3-0 by Everton. Everton I mean, they goes beat Manchester of, United, Chelsea, tied PSG. So yeah, one would think, but no, Everton came to play, man. Yeah, 
getting out of the relegation zone, even though they've been docked 10 points. I mean, Everton, they scored three late goals in this game. Dwight McNeil in the 79th, Abdelaide Decore in the 86th, and then Beto in the 96th. Honestly, the commentator said it. Kieran Troupier was Everton's best player in the second half. Because he was, man. He would gift Everton the first goal. He Dwight would. McNeil would have a fantastic strike. What a strike. And he would also gift the second goal. Just gets yep. caught on the ball. and Yeah, terrible. And the Beto goal was kind of a long ball up to him. This has Puts to be the worst legs. match I've seen Kieran Trippier play in a Newcastle shirt. By far. They gave away two goals, man. Yeah. It was and honestly Everton was had chances. Dominic yep. Calvert Lewin had a couple chances that he <laughs> should have scored. <laughs> How about the header from three yards away that he skied over? I was thinking more than one on his chest that he tries to volley okay. and just well, there you go. skies it over. I mean, that just explains a lot for you, right? Like two simple chances inside the six, and he puts them both over. But I, I think Everton deserved the victory in this one. Newcastle were second 100%. best all match, and Newcastle just looked exhausted and tired this entire match. Just watching the body language of their captain and Kieran Trippier, he looked tired. From I'm pretty sure that's the back. same starting lineup for like the third game in a row. Yeah, and then all and they it, have is kids on the bench, barely make any subs. It's it's crazy the amount of injuries they have. But, again, this is what you get. They won a big game on the weekend, get blown out midweek. Yep, you said it, and like you said, they haven't been making many subs. They only made two subs in this game. The last game, let's see, they made two subs. One was a goalkeeper mm-hmm. for the injured Nick Pope. So yeah, not many substitutions. Yeah, and Nick Pope's out for four months, so it's not going to help Shoulder, Shoulder surgery, I saw. Yep, yep. I know they're rumored to be looking to sign David De Gea. And what a signing that would be for them. And what a, what a turnaround that would be for David De Gea. How he doesn't have a club, I don't know. Again, we've said it once. We've said it a million times. I don't get it. So which is the biggest, the bigger upset? Villa playing the way they did against Man City and winning. Or Everton playing against Newcastle the way they did and winning. I, I definitely think it's... Villa, the way they played against Manchester City, because Manchester City have been, I mean, they've been on the top of the world for the best team in the world for the last, what, five years? Maybe more? Yeah. Ten years? And Villa played them off the park. I I just, it was so impressive to me. Like, Unai Emery has done wonders. Yeah, yeah, he has. That's fantastic. Still impressive that Everton beat a Newcastle side that just beat Manchester United. Maybe undeservedly so, but they destroyed him. All right, well, let's move on to this last game midweek. We had Tottenham hosting West Ham. West Ham would win it 2-1, man. Spurs would score first through Christian Romero header in the 11th, back from his three-game three suspension. suspension. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't enough, man. Jared Bowen, James Ward-Prowse would both score in the second half to give West Ham the win. And you called this. West Ham winning. Yeah. What, what gave it away for you? Why did you pick West Ham? I'm just curious. One is the injuries to Tottenham. Because okay. without 
uh, Vanderven and Madison, completely different team. But two, it's it's just been the way Tottenham have been playing. I mean, they have zero wins well in their last four prior. They're on a slide. They have le- next to no confidence, and West Ham's on the other side of that. See, They've I don't know if I three wins agree in with the, the last no confidence. Five. They they tied Man City and played them very well at the Etihad. They did. They did. But also, I think they pretty much gave everything they had in that match. They have nobody off the bench that's going to make a difference. I mean, we'll get into what I thought about Richarlison's performance later, but that that's what I thought. And, you know, honestly, the difference in this match, it was had nothing to do with the players on the field. It was the way David Moyes changed the tactics at halftime. I mean, in the first half, they were sitting back looking to counter, and then at half, they pushed their defense up the field more and pretty much suffocated Tottenham. Well, they kind of had to, because they were down 1-0 at halftime. As I mentioned, I mean, Spurs, they dominated that first half. First 20, 25 minutes, West Ham could barely get a kick of the ball. Um, Just before the half, Kudas did have a nice cross to Paqueta for a header, and he Put it horribly know. wide. I don't know how he terrible header. That. He's wide open, didn't even have to jump, and hits it into the ground and wide. I don't, I don't even understand how he missed that. But. Jared Bowen's goal was kind of it was honestly it was a lucky goal. Kudas takes a shot, it bounces off two Spurs players, <laughs> and like Lame. Bowen's looking back at Kudas, then he looks forward and he's like, "Oh, the ball's right in front of me," and <laughs> I'm through on goal. And so he just has to kick it in, and then even James Ward Prowse goal. I mean, it was lovely build-up play, like you said, on the counter to get going. But even his goal had some luck. It was a terrible back pass from Destiny Udogi, man. So Vicario has to come out as Jared Bowen's coming down on the ball, and he, Vicario just kind of punches it, slides on his stomach, and punches the ball. Prowse, it falls to Prowse. He takes his shot. It bounces straight off the post and straight back to him. The old wall pass off the post. <laughs> it was the oval pass off the post. He couldn't. He couldn't have missed it if he tried. No, I, I mean his post game interview. He was like, you know, I was more worried about hitting Jared than I was about I missing. <laughs> Understandably, Jared Bowen, so, Jared Bowen, Bowen was standing right in the middle of the goal. So, <laughs> so a bit of luck, but again, man, West Ham they stuck in it, and you could kind of tell at one nil at halftime. For all the domination Spurs had, it was only 1-0. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, back to the same scenario as Newcastle. Like the players just look tired. Like they give everything in the first half. When it comes to the second half, they're like, just run out of gas. I will say at least uh, Ange did make more subs. Brought on Brian that Gill. Like you said, Richarlison. Oliver Skip came on. But they're yeah they're they're not a deep squad that's for sure and it's, it's starting to show. Even Son had a little bit of an injury there, so we'll see how how he's dealing with that. Because if Son goes down, that Spurs team is in trouble. I mean, they're already in trouble, and they will be in lots of trouble if Son goes down. But yeah, I mean, oh, like, oh, they're out of the title race. Like, don't get me wrong, I never thought they were in a title race. No, really. only Spurs fans thought they were in a title race. <laughs> a top four race? Sure, I'll give you that. But even now, no, that's no. that's going to be difficult for them. I mean, they're in fifth, three points off. 
Yeah. You want to know when Madison Van Devin get back and they start clicking again, they could go on another eight ten game run. Could. But you want to know why? Also, go ahead. Post an Instagram reel about why Spurs would were not in a title race. Yeah. Make sure you're following us. And to you know, back up your reel that is on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Spurs are winless in the last five. I mean, their last win was against Crystal Palace in October, but Smash Day Spurs were in first place. Smash Day 16, which is this weekend. If they lose to Newcastle and West Ham wins by three, they're in ninth place. All right. Ninth place. They're the first club in Premier League history to fail to win five consecutive games despite going up 1-0 in each match. So I did see that was a thing. They're going up in these games, and then teams are coming back and losing. Like you mentioned, this West Ham game, the game before Mm -hmm. that against City, they went up first. Against Villa, they went up first. Against Wolves, they went up first. Against Spurs, they went up first. I mean, that's... I mean, I'll explain it to you. That's a terrible record to have, man. As simple as there's three certains in life, my friend. Death, taxes, and Tottenham during doing Spursy things. Like, those are the three absolutes in life. And and honestly, and we go back to Richarlison, I don't think he's going to be at Tottenham much longer. You see Ange's face when he keeps missing these golden opportunities to score. He did have a header that he probably should have done a little bit better with. It was a difficult one. It was, but it's just the chances he has. He's got simple chances, misses most of them. He scored a couple. Did you hear he has not scored a goal for Tottenham with his foot? Yep. They've all been headers. And uh, I, I mean, two or three just, he has. And just, and just face whenever he misses tells the tale. And I think he belongs in a bottom of the table side. As you think of Rafinha, I think of Richarlison. So, which was also in a reel. Just saying. There you go. All right, man. Well, let's get to our uh, match day 16 <laughs> preview predictions. Let's go these, get through these pretty quick here. Yeah. And you guys have been listening to us for a long time. So, uh, yeah, we got four more of these in Champions League before the end of the year. So a lot of action to come up. But we start the weekend off with Liverpool playing in their favorite time slot against Crystal Palace. Did you see that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was like an interviewer asked Klopp that, and Klopp just like was not He's having it, He's got no man. sense of humor, man. If I'm he the was host, not I'm saying the same all. thing. He was not having that. It was funny. But yeah, Palace hosting Liverpool at Selhurst Park. Who you got? Uh, Liverpool, Palace haven't won. I mean, they won one in their last eight, and it was against Burnley. Palace are playing like shit. I'm going for Liverpool. You got Wolves hosting Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest, same deal. They're playing like shit right now, especially away from home. Wolves. Going with Wolves, yep. Here you go. Burnley (laughs) travel to the Amex to take on Brighton. Like a broken record, man. Burnley suck. Brighton just won their first match in a while. Brighton win again. I agree. Oh, man. Another one. Broken record. Sheffield United against Brentford. Brentford might be without Brian and Bomo. Who you got? <laughs> Brentford, man. Sheffield sucks. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the difficult one, all right? Okay. Manchester United Man- hosts Bournemouth. Yes. And the way that United have been playing and the way that Bournemouth have been playing I know I might have been riding my luck this week. I'm going with Bournemouth. 
I'm going, going with Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I'm going with United, of, man. Somehow they are just winning. They are. They're just winning. Bournemouth, the way they've been playing has been so good, especially for Bournemouth. Don't get me I, wrong. Bournemouth are playing better football than Manchester United, which is a weird thing to say. But Man United are winning, man. Yep. They're just winning games. Mm-hmm. And then the big I, one, yeah, Villa hosting Arsenal. <laughs> I want to say Villa, but my heart is going to speak louder than my brain, and I'm going to go with Arsenal, but I think Villa are going to be a tough nut to crack in this one. I think they will be tough as well, but I think they just put a lot on that field against Man City. So we'll see. I'm also going – my brain wants to pick draw, but I'm going with Arsenal, like you said, my heart. All right. Best case scenario for Manchester City, or worst case, they go to Kenilworth Road and play Luton Town. Who you got? City. The way Luton have been playing at home, and the way Manchester City have been playing without Rodri, I'm going to draw. Who, a draw? Yep. Again, right okay. in the way. All right, Fulham, All right. North, uh, London Derby. Fulham against West Ham. Who you got? This is a little bit tougher, man. Yeah, I mean Fulham winning five nil, West Ham come I mean, in hot form. Both teams draw. sitting around. Yeah, draw. I'm gonna go West Ham. Okay, I think they're gonna win by a couple. Maybe give Spurs a fright before their kickoff of maybe they could drop down a ninth. Well, how about Everton? They host Chelsea at Goodison Park. Who you got? Well, the way Chelsea been playing. Uh, I'm going to pick Everton because at home, they're a different squad than they are away. Chelsea are awful away from home. Chelsea are awful, but they lose and they win. They lose and they win, and they lost their last game. So they're going to win this one, I think. I think a draw is probably better because they've gone win, draw, loss. Probably. Probably is going to be a draw, and we'll both be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And then the big one to end it all. Tottenham against Newcastle. Two tired and injured squads. Who you got? I'm going to go draw. All right. I don't know. This this is going to be a tough one. It's at Hotspur Stadium. Stadium. And that's the only reason I picked Tottenham is because they're at home. Newcastle coming off. I mean, seeing their away form in the Premier League right now with nobody coming back for what seems like forever. They're tired. They just played today they're both tired they they are they both, both tired. played on thursday they're gonna play on sunday again they got the late kickoff at least so they get like a couple hours of extra rest but yeah, i'm gonna go Tottenham oh. just because i think human son will come back if he doesn't that'll change my pick i would go with you with the draw if he's Newcastle not just seem to do well against those top teams so they're definitely missing nick pope though that's they are and so that thing. again i'm going draw kind of bowing out but because that big game Spurs and Newcastle, let's do our Spurs Newcastle combined eleven. And of course, we are keeping out the injured players because there are a lot of them. I had to change some of my picks, so yes. All right, so I'll go first. My goalkeeper is Vicario. My right back, pretty obvious, Kieran Trippier. My two center backs, Jamal Lascelles and Fabian Schar. My left back, Destiny Udogi, man. Good pick. My three in midfield, I did a 4-3-3 in case you're wondering. My three in midfield is Bruno Guimaraes, Yves Basuma, and Jolington. 
Then my three up top on the right, I have Brennan Johnson. On the left, Anthony Gordon. And my striker is Son Hyung Min. Hmm. I, I was interested with your formation because you left out one Newcastle striker. Who I did have to leave him out. I debated between him and Son, or even, honestly, uh, Almiron. Yeah. And Brennan Johnson. I just love Brennan Johnson, man. I think he's he's so quick. He's an exciting young player. Honestly, I kind of wish Arsenal would have signed him as a... Because he can play all along the three, man. Left, right, striker, wherever you want him. Yeah, but, you know, Arsenal got all their homegrown players. And Reese Nelson, Emil Smith-Rowe, Eddie Nketiah. They didn't need a player like him. What have they I done guess. this season? <sighs> exactly my point. Um, all right. <laughs> Nothing. I went 4-4-2. Okay, 4-4-2. So I'm guessing you got both those strikers. In. I do. I do. Uh, and because Nick Pope has been ruled out for four months, I held out and I had him on there, but I had changed it to Vicario, which honestly, it was still, even with a healthy Nick Pope, hard to choose between the two. It was. Not for me. Uh, Trippier is my right back. I don't know how you didn't pick Christian Romero as a center back over Jamal Lascelles. I don't understand that pick at all. Lascelles has barely played for Newcastle in the last three years. Playing fantastic right now. He is, but so is Romero, except for a couple of rash decisions. Uh, I think I have a vendetta against Romero. I just... Yeah, I understand, because I have... I mean, he's not a terrible player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he won the World Cup with Argentina, but I, I just don't care for him i understand because i don't either but i cannot pick him i cannot pick lascelles over him that that's my neutral thought over my hatred of tottenham uh on left back i went the opposite of you and a guy that last episode we harped on i went with livermento as my left back he's been on fire this season i love watching harped on or spoke highly of both (laughs) <laughs> the same same thing. Oh, we spoke pretty highly of. Yeah, we did. Um, I've been talking about him since last calendar year. So, uh, midfield: Bruno Gimaraes and Joe Linton. Right wing: Miguel Almiron. Because the way that you love Brendan Johnson, I love watching Miggy Almiron. Seeing him start for Atlanta United, and then go to Newcastle and kill it. It is so fun to watch. What Took him a few a seasons, but he what finally did. <laughs> Left wing, Anthony Gordon. He's on fire right now. And strikers, Young Minson and Alexander Isak. I like it. Yeah. I, again, I debated between Son and Isak or how to fit him in. And nope, didn't want to. It's fair. Got to be different somehow. And Basuma is a hard us... one to leave out. So I get it. He, Yeah. I've been liking the way he's played, Basuma, so I had to put mine him in. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to check us out on all of our socials to keep the Bruise and Banter FC party going. Check out our Instagram, Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Don't forget to check out the Redbubble account. Get the Bruise and Banter merch. Help us keep doing this because we appreciate it. And on that note, we love you guys. Thank you so much. As always, cheers. <laughs>